everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me today, we got Big E, aka Ethan Tate, aka the biggest Titans and Grizzlies fan I know. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. How about you? I'm all right. You know, just dealing with life stuff, but free agency has been keeping me going. And uh, speaking of free agency, we're going to talk a lot about free agency. We're going to give our top three favorite and least favorite moves. Talk about some other moves that could be taking place as well. We're going to look at the NBA with just one week until the NBA trade deadline. We're going to keep up with the latest trades as well as potential trades that could take place. Then we're going to kind of close out the show making our predictions for WWE's Fast Lane 2021. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net RP. The export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and full export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. But before we move on with the show, myself and the rest of the X Report team would like to extend our condolences to the victims of Tuesday's Atlanta area shooting that included the deaths of eight people, um, all of them being Asian Americans. We would just like to say, send our condolences to them, their families, their friends, all people affected, most importantly, the Asian community, to let them know that we love them, that we respect them, and no matter who you are, no one should be subjected to acts of terrorism just because of their race. So, like I said, for me and mine, I would just like to spend my prayers and thoughts to those people, because I know it's a really traumatic thing that is taking place. Yeah, I just want to send my condolences as well. You know, no form of racism shall be tolerated. I know that in a lot of ways, Asian American, um, the subject of Asian American racism hasn't been such a broad topic as say African American racism, but it's still in this world, and that's not good. And honestly, it needs to, all forms of racism needs to be gone. Like, you don't like a person because of the color of their skin, then that's not a viable reason to do anything, especially go and take eight harmless, eight innocent lives. So it's a, it's a terrible week. It's been a terrible time for minorities of all color, not just African Americans. Most deaf. So, like we said here at the X Report, we try to bring in and still kind of a social justice element. So we want to make sure that we got those our condolences out to the people in affected because I know this is a traumatic event and just letting our Asian brothers and sisters know that we have their backs. But let's go ahead, move on to things on a bit of a lighter note. Let's talk the NFL. Before we talk for AC, let's it's official. Drew Brees has decided to retire from the league after an illustrious career. Um, he's slated to join NBC Sports as a studio analyst for Sunday Night Football and a game analyst for NBC's coverage of Notre Dame football. Now, you and I kind of talked at length about Drew Brees and if he were to tie, retire, blah, blah, blah. But as of right now, where would you rank Drew Brees among the all-time quarterbacks? I think I would rank him somewhere in the range of like the eight or eight, between eight to ten. Because, in my personal opinion, the top five are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, um, Joe Montana, <clears throat> Rodgers, and the fifth can be a toss-up. It's a lot of names that I can look at in field. long as you're not putting uh, Patrick Mahomes there like Ryan Clark did, oh, I'm, uh, I'm good. <laughs> career just started. There's no way I'll put him as the fifth greatest quarterback of all time. I'm sorry. 
top five graded quarterback talents, but as far as overall, like, overall, no, I can, I definitely wouldn't dare do that. Yeah. But I definitely keep Drew Brees somewhere in there, like, man, I'll go up seven to ten range. Yeah. I think undisputedly top ten. Um, yeah. I would definitely say that range, but yeah, I. If I was comparing the quarterbacks he was in the league with, like, I don't think he's better overall than Tom. I don't think he's better than uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, comparing him to Peyton, I don't see him being better than Peyton. So, not even including other errors, like you said, a Joe Montana, potentially a John Elway, a Brett Favre. Yeah. When I take Drew Brees over Brett Favre, uh, I, I, I would do it. I, I'd take Drew over Brett. I might take Brett Favre over Drew Brees. I'm, but honestly, I'm a Brett Favre guy. Yeah, that I'm makes sense. First quarterback that I actually liked when I started watching football. Which is understandable. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would go. I would go Drew just because he was more accurate and he was more precise. So I'll I'll go Drew. But I mean, yeah, like I think top ten at worst, maybe top. At worst, top ten. At best, maybe like top. Eight, seven, or eight. I mean, he did a lot in his career. I just think that something that kind of holds him back is just. I kind of describe it as empty calories. Like, but after he won the Super Bowl in New Orleans, it was just those years of seven and nine, eight and eight, eight and eight, seven and nine. Like, yeah, you're throwing for five thousand yards, but you guys didn't really do anything. And so his last few years, that's when the Saints kind of started to get back on track. But even with all the potential, they didn't win anything. Still then. So, uh, I don't. That's I think that's something that kind of holds him back a bit. Like only getting his team one Super Bowl. Like it's it's tough, especially with the other talented quarterbacks available, like to be listed. I I would say at best top eight, at worst top ten, and maybe top twelve. Uh, but he was not the only long term player to announce retirements. Um, earlier this week, cornerback Tremont Williams. Um, after 14 years in the league, decided to w- retire on his 38th birthday. So congratulations to him. Longtime Packer, spent some time with Baltimore as well this past year. And then also in a recent uh, news, safety Patrick Chung of the New England Patriots decided to retire. It was announced today um, after 11 years with the team. Now, just speaking in terms of present day, how do you feel like Patrick Chung retiring is going to affect the Patriots? I know that free agency and then, you know, younger players, but what do you think that that loss is going to mean for them? I think it's going to mean it's going to be a significant loss because first and foremost, Patrick Chung is a voice in their locker room. He's been he was with the organization for 11 years and Patrick Chung was a baller. Like he was one of those he was small in size and stature, but he was one of those guys that was going to Regardless of who you were, he was gonna hit you on the mouth. Right. Count um like a Earl Thomas type player, but I think he's definitely gonna be missed, especially because you know, Bill Belichick loves defense. He prides himself on defense. Yes, we I know that they made a lot of great moves during free agency, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. To the defense, but you also you can have pass rushes, but you also need a secondary. And I think they're losing Patrick Chung. It'll be a big blow. So I want to see how they're gonna, um, how they, what they're gonna do to try to make up for that loss. I hear you on that. Yeah. Um. 
I'm I'm in a bit of a different vein only because last season he didn't play because of COVID. He sat out the year. So I think that that kind of at least gave them a head start on what life without him would be like. And so I think that kind of cushion the blow a little bit. I really – we'll get to a bit later, but I love the Jalen Mills signing. I think that he's a very versatile defensive back who can kind of do the same things that Patrick Chung can do for you, given opportunities. Not to mention last year with their first pick, they got Kyle Duggar, and I can see him kind of stepping into that role as well. So I think that they have pieces in place to kind of make up for that loss. But I think that still just having that veteran presence um, is going to hurt a bit. But all right, let's talk some trades, starting with um, the Seattle Seahawks trading a fifth-round pick to the Raiders for offensive guard Gabe Jackson. The Baltimore Ravens have traded a conditional 2022 pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars for tight end Josh Oliver. Michael Brockers' defensive tackle for the Los Angeles Rams was traded to the Lions for a 2023 seventh-round pick. Um, Rodney Hudson... Center for the Raiders was traded to the Arizona Cardinals um, for a third-round pick. Am I miss? Oh, yeah. Uh, Bernard McKinney, linebacker for the Texans, was traded to Miami for Shaq Lawson in a straight-up deal. And Marcus Cannon, offensive tackle for the Patriots in a 2021 fourth, fifth, and sixth pick were traded to the Houston Texans. Essentially, the Texans get Cannon, and they swap picks in the later rounds. So, of the trades listed, which one would you say is your favorite? Um, I'm going to have to go with Michael Brockers to Detroit. Totally because, like, we know Detroit's in a rebuilding year. And one of the things that they have to do to rebuild is to rebuild their defense. They've had a bad defense over the past couple of years. And adding Michael Brockers, I think it could be – like, he's not going to be a wild, jump-off-the-page type of player, but he's one of those players that can be steady. He was steady for the Rams alongside Aaron Donald for the past couple of years. If he could be one of those steady veteran guys that's, like, just going to make plays when they need to be made, he's not going to be flashed to jump off the screen. Like, he's not going to get a ton of tackles or a ton of sacks, but he's going to be a solid presence in the, on their defensive line. No, I'm in agreement with you in terms of I think that he can be a really nice presence for Detroit's line for many years. Pretty much since they've lost in Dominican Sue, they've really lacked a true leader in the middle of that defensive line. I think that Michael Brockers could be one of those cats. I mean, last year Baltimore had a deal in place with him that almost sent him there, but he failed a physical, so it didn't work out. But I would have loved having him on my team. So I think that for the compensation, just a seventh-round pick for two years ago, I mean, two years from now, I think that that is a brilliant move for the Lions. I'm actually surprised that they were able to make that happen. Um, but on, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm actually going to say Rodney Hudson going to the Cardinals for the three. I think that center is not a position that a lot of people talk about. But if you want to talk top centers, if you ask me, I would say it is uh, Rodney Hudson. And if you look at Arizona... You can say what you want about their offense being explosive, yada, 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 but their offensive line has been an issue for several seasons now. And I think that putting Rodney Hudson in the middle of that offensive line will give it some structure and will really help things out for Kyler, especially as they continue to try to add weapons around him to try to make things better. So I, I love the move, and I think that it can work really work wonders for them. I'm actually surprised that Oakland – I mean, not Oakland. Las Vegas was really – even willing to give up a player like Rodney Hudson. And if anything, I wish Baltimore would have made that trade because I would have took it in a heartbeat. But all right, speaking of trades, 
there is one player who potentially could be traded this offseason, and believe it or not, it's not a quarterback. It is defensive end Daniil Hunter of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, this past year, he missed the year um, with an injury, but usually when he plays, he is arguably their best defensive player, gets a lot of pressure, and his presence was definitely missed last year. Unfortunately, he is unhappy with his contract situation. Um, he signed a five-year, $72 million deal back in 2018, which comes out to $14.4 million a year. However, the highest-paid defensive player, I mean, defensive end is making almost double that. He's asked for a trade. So realistically, Ethan, what is a team that you could see making the move for Hunter? Realistically, depending, I can see the Dallas Cowboys making that move. Because we all know that Jerry Jones does not mind making splash signings or splash trades to get big name players. Or if the cap space works out, maybe my Titans, because we still need more pass rush. I love the bug the pre-signings. But the more the more pressure you can put on the quarterback, the better. Um, honestly, the Seattle Seahawks. Like, I know everybody's been talking about, you know, are they going to trade Russ? But if they could maybe find a way to trade for a, an elite pass rusher, that could help persuade Russell to stay because one of the things that the Seahawks struggled with last season was honestly stopping people. They got better towards the end of the season, but it was like every game that they were in was a shootout, especially at the beginning portion of their season. So I can honestly see all three of those things if cap space worked out as far as need goes. I can see them pulling on the trigger. Um, I'll, I'll give a team from the AFC and the NFC first. Starting off with the NFC, like I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with Seattle. Um, let's be honest, they have money now to spend. They weren't able to bring back Shaquem Griffin. He signed with the Jags. Um, let's see, Carlos Dunlap hasn't been brought back. So they have money to spend, especially with so many players who have left. Um, so I think that bringing in a player like Daniel Hunter would be a great move. It provides... C- constant consistent pressure because he is a guy who can truly make plays whenever given the opportunity um so i think that that would be a tremendous fit um of course right now their priority probably is just trying to shore up their offensive line which makes total sense but your defensive line has to be able to get pressure too i love jamal adams jamal adams is my dog however you have to be able to get another element of pass rusher in there to make plays and in the afc a team that has been hounded for losing their top, well, two of the top edge rushers, the Baltimore Ravens. Matt Judon is gone. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is gone, which are two players that, as a Ravens fan, I will miss. But on the other hand, I think that it creates opportunities for other people. I think that because Baltimore is a huge fan of bringing in proven veterans, I think that this would be a player who, honestly, if I had to cough up money, I would give him money before I would have gave Matt Judon or Yannick Ngakwe because he's a better player than both of those guys. So I think that Baltimore, if you're able to do this, I think that it will be able to provide much-needed presence, and I think that you can get a much more consistent um, production from him as opposed to going after somebody in the draft. All right, so now let's keep talking free agency. Let's go back and forth with our top three favorite and top three least favorite signings so far. So, Ethan, do you want to start us off with your top three favorite signings? Okay, my top three favorite signings are cornerback 
I believe his name is William Jackson. William Jackson, the uh, third going to Washington. Yeah, going to Washington. I like that move because Washington, they already had a pretty uh, dangerous defense. They had a dangerous front seven. And honestly, a front four. Their linebackers are okay. But their defensive line is amazing. But to be able to add a underrated – a lot of people don't know about this guy, but he's an underrated corner. He can cover your best receiver, and he can make plays to add that to um, uh, ever-improving defense and becoming a dominant defense. I always love that. Number two, I'm honestly – I hate New England, but I love the signing of Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And the reason I say this is because me and you talked about it um, earlier off-air. We know that Cam Newton isn't the type of guy that can push the ball down the field anymore. But we also know that Cam Newton, even when he was that guy, he loved throwing the ball to his tight end. He had whenever Greg, whenever Greg Olson was he- healthy, he was always in the conversation for being one of the best tight ends in the game of football. So now you add Hunter Henry, who's, in my opinion, he's a top five tight end. I might be, a, I might give him a little, a little bit of a boost, but I think he's a top five tight end. And you add Johnny Smith, who I know about personally because he just he just left for my Titans. He's a dynamic player. You don't really, once you get the ball in his hands, he's like a running back. He just gets yards after the catch and he, he breaks tackles. So I like that move. And number one, I'm going to have to go with the uh, the offensive line signings of the Kansas City Chiefs. We just saw this past season um, throughout from the Super Bowl that. You know, if the Chiefs can't protect Patrick Mahomes, then it creates a lot of problems for their team. I guess they're a very dynamic offense, but you have to keep the quarterback upright for their offense. Excuse me, for their offense to stay dynamic. All right. So before I give mine, do you agree with John New Smith when he said he's the most versatile tight end in the league? Because for me, it's a hard no, but he's he's no. good, but no. He's He's up there, but he's not the most versatile because, my opinion, the most versatile tight end is George Kittle. I would say Travis Kelsey. Only reason I say George Kittle is George Kittle is an amazing blocker. That, can, I feel that. He can be he can be a receiving third and he can block. That's why I don't agree with that with Johnny Smith. Like Johnny Smith is not a blocking tight end. He can't block. He's a great receiver, but he's not a great blocker. Yeah. So. I gotta go. George Kittle is the most versatile tight end. Which I can understand. Either way, we're both in agreement. It's not Johnny Smith. But all right, so uh, let's start off with my number three. I'm gonna say cornerback Patrick Peterson going to a Vikings one year, ten million dollar deal. Um, we talked about this. Uh, Malik and I did when we recapped the first two days of free agency and talking about potential moves that the Vikings could have made. And it was bringing in a veteran presence at cornerback. They have a lot of young corners, and even though you want to kind of give them time to grow, it never hurts to have somebody else who can kind of be the backbone while they're growing and learning. And what better corner really to learn from than Patrick Peterson? He's been playing at such a high level for such a long time. So I think that bringing in Patrick Peterson was a tremendous move. And I think that personally, I can understand why it's only a one-year deal, but I would, if I was the Vikings, I think I would want to keep him as long as possible. Number two, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe going to the Raiders on a two-year, $26 million deal. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw, saw this, I was like, man, Baltimore could have did that if that's all it would have took to keep them. But not just financially, but let's be honest, the Raiders have not had a real pass rush of presence since they traded Khalil Mack. It's just, just a fact. 
Max Crosby had a solid rookie year, but other than that, I mean, they've really lacked a true go-to guy to provide a pass rush, and Yannick Ngakwe is definitely one of those guys. I think that it will benefit him to be the guy in Las Vegas, and I think that that overall is just a great move, excuse me, especially for the price that you got him for. And then number one, this may be a bit of a shock, but I'm going safety John Johnson to the Browns on a three-year $33.75 million deal. Reason why I love this move so much is because the Browns offense, even without Odell, has shown that they can make plays. They've shown that they can get the job done, but their defense holds them back. Their defense cannot stop anybody. And while I still feel like their defense still needs to get stuff done, I think that the John Johnson signing is a great step in that direction because, one, he's better than any safety you could potentially get in the draft. In my opinion, he was the best safety available in free agency, and you get him at a pretty modest price. So I think that getting him and then hopefully a healthy Grant Delphi by the time the season starts, I think that it's going to really help out the back end of the Browns. And then also as they continue to add pieces onto their secondary, they signed Troy Hill to a four-year deal, which I think will be interesting. And, of course, they still have the draft coming up. But I think that this is a really great way to add another presence to your defense. But, all right. Let's go ahead and change the tide to our least favorite moves. I'm going to start off with my number three, and it's going to be Bud Dupree getting five-year, 82.5 mil from the Titans. While I like the signing overall, I like the fit, I think that's a lot of money to give someone who has never really shown that they can be a number one edge rusher. Bud Dupree early on in his career was fine, but he never showed those flashes of being the top guy. He really started putting up his best numbers alongside T.J. Watt. And let's be honest, you know this, the Titans do not have a T.J. Watt. So he's instantly stepping in and he has to be the number one guy. And this is just a whole lot of money to give someone who you're not sure he's capable of it. Not to mention he's coming off an ACL, so it'll probably take time for him to really get himself back going. So in terms of the fit, I like it. It's just I don't like the money. Um, two, wide receiver Kendrick Bourne to the Patriots, three-year, $22.5 million. Reason being, I don't, I don't hate this move necessarily, but I don't think that Kendrick Bourne is necessarily making your receiving group better. Like, for example, I thought that getting um, Nelson Aguilar provides a speed option. The question is if Cam Newton can throw the ball downfield. But Kendrick Bourne, honestly, I don't see him being that much of a step up over who you have in Jacoby Myers. Sure, the Patriots need to add receivers, but honestly, I feel like this money could have went elsewhere to another person, potentially, um, especially considering what we saw Will Fuller just got. Got a one-year, $10 million deal. Sure, you may not want to bring in another speed guy, but that could have been an option. Kenny Galladay was still available. A Golden Tate would be a solid fit. If I was thinking about paying a wide receiver, Kendrick uh, Bourne is not the first receiver I would have thought of. And number one, my least favorite move, cornerback Chidobe Awuzie getting a three-year, $21.75 million deal from the Bengals. Reason being, he was a cornerback for the uh, Cowboys, who at this point, there is no Cowboys defender I would want to touch. Not a single one. Even the best one, Jalen uh, Smith, I would be contrary. I'll be conflicted about getting him just because the Cowboys defense was terrible last year. And the money and the money that they gave a is pretty solid money. And because 
And I understand you lose William Jackson, you want to replace him, but he's nowhere near as good as William Jackson was. So I think that it's going to come back to bite them. One, that they gave him so much money, especially because more than likely he's going to see a significant role on the team. So that was easily my least favorite uh, free agent moves. All right. For me, starting at number three, I have to go with my Titans signing cornerback Janoris Jenkins. The, I actually, I like the signing, but I don't like it because I feel like if we were going to make a move like that, we should have put our hat in the bag for Patrick Peterson. Agreed. I don't, I don't know if we did. I don't know if he wanted, if, if he was asking for too much money that we didn't want to pay. But especially if we're going for a one-year deal, why not get the best, in my opinion, the best corner available in Pat P. Num- number two, I got to go with, uh, I got to go with the, I can't pronounce the name, but you just said on the quarterback. Yeah. I got to go with that because like you just stated, any Cowboys defender, especially a defender in the secondary, should not get that type of contract. I wouldn't even, they would, like, he's getting paid starter money, but in my opinion, he probably would be a great rotational player. And, number one, I'm sorry, I'm a, you know, I'm like a low-key closet Bears fan Mm because I love their defense. I gotta go with Andy Dalton. And the reason I say this is because he isn't, he wasn't even the best quarterback available that you could have gave a deal to. Like, you could have gave a deal to Fitz Magic, even though a lot of people didn't know if he was going to come out of, if he was going to retire or not. Or, I always liked the idea, if you were going to, since you couldn't get Russell, why not go for Jacoby Brissett? Because Jacoby Brissett, he's the type of guy, he can game, manage the game, he's mobile, he's not going to make that many mistakes, and you can build, and you could potentially sign a running, one of the upper tier running backs, i.e. like a Chris Carson, and you can have the whole ground and pound and great defense. And the quarterback won't lose the game type of dynamic. Right. I hear you. I totally hear you on that. Um, because the thing is, I don't I don't fully hate the Andy Dalton signing. But it's just like, especially considering all the players that the Bears were linked to this season. I mean, this offseason. Russell, Deshaun, like pretty much everybody. And to end up with Andy Dalton seems like a major disappointment. And I mean... I would say Andy Dalton is better than Mitchell Trubisky, but it's not, like, clearly better. You know, it's, yeah. like, very barely. The lines are blurred. Yeah, exactly. It's like any given day, though, that could change. Um, but, yeah, speaking of Mr. Dalton, um, in a recent interview, he said that he intends to be the starter. Um, apparently what he was told before signing with the Bears, like, they told me I was a starter that's the assurance I got. So, do you really believe that the Red Rifle is going to start in Chicago this year, or do you see them going in a different direction by the time week one rolls around? If they aren't able to pull a move to either improve their draft position and draft the quarterback, honestly, I'll put it like this. If I were the Chicago Bears, I would be blowing the New York Jets phone up right now. I would be trying to do everything I possibly could to get Sam Darnold outside of throwing him the house because he's not the type of talent of a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Jackson. But it's obviously apparent that you aren't going to get one of those two guys. And in my opinion, Sam Darnold is, as far as a trade aspect, as far as a trade piece, he's the third best quarterback that you could possibly trade for in the scenario right now. The teams might 
hypertension and listen to the trade offers for it. So why not go for it? He he's an enigma of a talent because he, he shows flashes of brilliance and then he shows flashes of you know why is this guy playing football? But it's also this dude hasn't had a consistent head coach or offensive coordinator throughout his whole career. Right. And I know a lot of people give um what's his name Matt Matt Nagy a lot of flack for what he's done with the Bears and the quarterback situation and Trubisky. But, you know, if you were able to insert a more talented quarterback, in my opinion, than Sam Darnold, and you're able to, you know, give him some structure and let him build himself up in that offense, you might get something. And honestly, being real with you, with that defense, you don't need a dynamic quarterback. You just need a quarterback that's not going to make mistakes. And I know Sam Darnold has shown in his career with the New York Jets that he will make mistakes. But if you're able to instill our offense and he gets familiar with it and he gets, like, set in place in it, who knows what might happen. Like, this guy might be, like, a 20, a 20 TD, 10 in, interception type guy. Like, that's not amazing numbers. But you can win football games with those type of numbers at quarterback. And, I mean, not, to, not even to underscore the fact that technically – Allen Robinson is still on the roster, and that's yep. going to be the best receiver he's had in his career, and I think that that will really help him elevate, um, elevate his game a lot. So, yeah, I can see Sam Darnold being a nice fit. We'll actually talk about a potential fit for Sam Darnold um, in a minute. But speaking of a quarterback that unsure about his starting status, Cam Newton will say this. The Patriots have truly reloaded, restocked at just about every position on offense. And it has inspired a lot of hope, got people excited, including Cam Newton, um, who was asked about this upcoming 2021 season after getting re-signed. He said, I refuse to let them slip or sleep on me in 2021. So, Ethan, do you see him being the Patriots starters? Do you think that these moves support him being the starter for next season? I honestly do, unless um, Jerry Stidham makes a, like, has a great count, but I think Cam's going to be the starter. And I do think that the moves that these guys, that they made, is going to help Cam. Because like I, like we said, like I said earlier, like, yes, Cam is the guy that's going to push the ball down the field, but you have two great tight ends, and I'm not going to, you have one great tight end in Hunter Henry, you have a really good upcoming tight end in John Lewis Mills, who, honestly, you don't have to throw the ball too very far down the field. You can honestly throw the ball to him on like tight end screens and he can do the rest. Right. And with Nelson Aguilar, yes, he's a deep play guy, but he also can make plays. He can make plays all around the field as far as the route tree. Like, I know, and he showed last season that his drops aren't a thing anymore. Like, he, he was a very secure receiver as far as pass catching. And it's also Bill Belichick. He always finds ways to tailor his offense around the strengths of the players that he has. And we also forgetting, like, Cam, once they get to the goal line, Cam's going to make plays running the ball. I know that a lot of people thought that it was going to be X out of this game. But New England, once he got there, New England put the ball in his hands at the goal line. He produced. So I think that the signings they made can help Cam, and I think that he will be the starter outside of Jerry Stenham having like an otherworldly account. I'm going to say based on the roster right now, 
But I'm still not sold on Cam as a starting quarterback in the league. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the moves definitely make sense. They help him out a lot, like you said, with the tight ends. Because let's be honest, Cam has... We really don't know if Cam can really throw the ball downfield anymore. So getting these short field options are really helpful. But with that being said, it's just like... This offense still is not top half. This is still not an offense where I'm like, dang, we got weapon after weapon. At, like, no. And it really all starts with your quarterback. And like you said, in short yardage situations or goal line situations, Cam is a threat. But what about the other 99 yards you got to travel? You don't know if Cam can really do that for you anymore. And so, like, as of right now, sure, like, these moves do help out the offense a lot. But I still wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a rookie. I still wouldn't be surprised if they tried to bring in somebody else in in free agency. Because I don't think Jared Siddham's the answer. I don't think Brian Hoyer is the answer. But I also don't think Cam Newton is the answer. Right now, it seems like he may be just because of the other moves. But it would not shock me if when the draft rolled around, they brought in somebody else. If not for just the future. Because Cam is still on just a one-year deal. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't trust the notion of Cam as a starter. I think that... If they start off the year successfully, like they're having a good start, then that'd be one thing. But if he's showing the same issues and the same turnovers and just the inconsistencies, then I think it's over. I think it's done because he won't have any other excuses to produce. But continuing on with the quarterback situation, we talked about Drew Brees retiring, but now the question is, who's next? Um, The Saints have made a slew of roster moves, one of them being restructuring Taysom Hill's contract to a four-year, $140 million deal, which saved them $7.5 million, and it's all voidable, so it's not like it's fully guaranteed, unlike other quarterbacks. But in addition to that, they brought back Jameis Winston on a one-year deal. So, Ethan, if you had to bet, who will be the starting quarterback for the Saints week one? I'm putting my money on Jameis. Jameis has been a starting quarterback in previous seasons, yes, a lot of people, including myself, cracked jokes about his 30 for 30, 30 interceptions, 30 touchdown season. But this was pretty lacy eye surgery, Jameis. And Jameis has had a whole year under his belt under Sean Payton and learning the offense. I think that, honestly, I truly think Jameis could be their quarterback for the next couple of years if he steps in. And he shows like this season, like I could, I could very well see Jameis Winston throwing like twenty five plus touchdowns and maybe twelve picks. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you as far as it being Jameis. Like the money, like when you hear one hundred and forty million dollars, like you don't think, oh, he's instantly the starter. But then you have to look at what player we're talking about. Taysom Hill, in his time, the few games he did start last year, he was fine. He didn't do really anything spectacular. He looked like a player who was not used to being an NFL quarterback. And so I think that the way that I think that Sean Payne is going to want his offense to go is I think he's going to try to have it be as comparable as it was to when Drew Brees was there. And that, I mean, they have their stationary, they have their quarterback, and then they have Taysom Hill who can be another weapon on the outside, especially considering the players that they've already lost. You lost Emmanuel Sanders who really stepped up when Michael Thomas was hurt. And so that kind of, they already have that blow at wide receiver. So I do think that this will be the perfect opportunity for them to utilize 
Jameis as their starter and then be able to have a guy like Taysom Hill there who can still be that weapon, who can be that gadget player, who can really take defenses off their heels. Because, you know, Jameis can't step into that role. He can't do the stuff that Taysom Hill does. He's not as athletic. He's a better just overall quarterback. So I feel like it would just be more advantageous for the Saints if they were just to use the offense like that. Because I feel like if you do put um, Taysom Hill at quarterback, one, you're limiting yourself because he's not a better quarterback than Jameis, but also you are losing that weapon. But, all right, let's go ahead. Speaking, continuing the quarterback conversation because it's football. All we talk about is quarterbacks. You brought up Sam Donald as a potential trade partner. Um for the Chicago Bears, but apparently Pete Carroll, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, was thinking the same thing if, in fact, Russell Wilson was to be traded. Um, Apparently, he says that he thinks that Donald will be a really good fit in Seattle if the team actually were to pull the trigger on trading Sam Donald. So, I mean, on Russell Wilson. So, if Sam, I mean, if Russell was traded, how do you think that Sam Donald would produce in Seattle? I think he'd do fine in Seattle. I will say off off the rip that the weapons that he would have in Seattle would are far superior to anything that he's ever had in New York. Agreed. Like you have DK Metcalf. He's an upcoming wide receiver. You still have Tyler Lockett, who, in my opinion, is one of the more underrated but very productive wide receivers in today's game. Then you throw in the tight ends that they have. Like they still have Will Disney, Uncle Will. They can produce. I think that he and they just signed Gerald uh, Everett. Yeah, and they, yeah, that's right. And they have Gerald Everett. Like he will. I think he will be. I think he will be fine because, like I stated with the Bears, also he will be in a structured. Even honestly, even to a more extent, he will be in a structured environment. Like Seattle has been one of the more structured structured environments in football. Yes, they have had in their structure, i.e. like Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor thinking that the Pete Carroll favors Russell Wilson and i.e. this past season, Russell being frustrated with the fact that they switched to a run dominant offense after a few shaky games from him. But still, it could be a structure, it could be a structured um, offense. And honestly, depending on what they do, if they can re-sign Chris Carson, if you bring in Sam Donner, Pete Carroll is going to run the ball. Pete Carroll is one of those guys, he wants to run the rock. He isn't one of those coaches that wants to let the quarterback air the ball out. Right. I.e. created the friction between him and Russell to begin with. So you can get Chris Carson, if you bring Chris Carson back, you can have a strong run game, and you can have play-action passing. Then you have play-action passing with, honestly, in my opinion, one of the top, if not the top, deep threats in the game in D.K., and Tyler Lockett is a great deep third himself. So I, I think would, that, outside of Tyree Kill, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, I, I forget about Tyree Kill. But, you know, that's I think they, that's all that man can do is go deep. Yeah, really. True. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that if not for any other reason, but just the weapons are a billion times better. You're able to get more weapons and be able to produce that way. So I think Honestly, I think that most quarterbacks, if they came to Seattle, with the way that that offense is set up, would be fine. Because it is a really good offense. Of course, besides the offensive line, like they have really nice players at each position, especially when Will Disley is healthy. So I think that Sam Donald will be fit. I mean, like you said, he finally gets some structure. 
he be around really talented guys as far as weapons. And I just think that it'll be an opportunity for him. The most, the best chance of success for him, you know, it's definitely not a move that I would have thought about under any other circumstances. But under these circumstances, I mean, I think that it will really work out. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Before we talk NBA, who would you say so far are your biggest free agency winners and your free agency losers? One team for each, because I got mine. The winner was hard, though. I'm not going to lie. One team for each. One team for each. I'm going to surprise you with my winner. Okay. But I'm going to say the Washington football team. Okay. I'm really a big – I'm a really big fan of the Fitz Magic signing. I think that, you know, if they decide to go with another option and starting quarterback, i.e. a Trevor Hickey, Hickey, Fitz Magic could be the guy that can help tutor him and – sure of some of the mistakes that he will make or if they decide to throw him out as the starter. Like, yes, he's very up and down, but he... When he's he good, he's good. Yeah, when he's good, he's, he's good. Sometimes great. And he can win you football games. And I like the, like I said, I like the signing of William Jackson in their secondary, their ass a, their ass a corner that can help that pass rush. And I think that, you know, I honestly can see Washington winning the division because Philadelphia, their team is in a rebuilding slash restructuring mode. We don't know what's really going to happen with quarterback. Are they really going to hand the keys off to Jalen Hurts? Their their defense, it was never that great, and they also lost one of their better defensive players in Jalen Mills. The Cowboys, yes, they can score a lot, but can they stop anybody? And we both know that's not true. So, and the Giants, they're the Giants. I'm sorry, they're trash. Yeah. I mean, but, I don't trust the Giants until they get rid of Daniel Jones. Yeah. So, and they lost Golden. They got rid of Golden Tate. He was one of their better playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. So, I can honestly see Washington winning their division. It's going to be a, another one of those ugly. The winner might be below 500, but I can see Washington being the team that pulls it out. Am I losing? Honestly. I, I hate to say it, but it's just, like I said, I'm a closet Bears fan. I got to go with the Chicago Bears only because their name was attached to so many dynamic quarterbacks, and the end result ended up with the Andy Dalton. Like, they're the losers just from the letdown perspective of, like, we went from two, one quarterback this, in my opinion, top three, another quarterback this top five, two, a guy that could, depending on the situation, not even be in a league anymore. So I got to go Chicago. All right. Um, all right, for my winner, honestly, I'll say this. It was hard to pick – it was hard to pick both. One, because it's not many teams that I would classify as a winner right now. And it's it was a lot hard to pick a loser because there's a few teams that I would consider a loser. Um, but with that being said um, – I would say my winner is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If not for any other reason, they don't have to leave home to get good food. They don't got to go to the grocery store. They got good food at home. And you see we're bringing back Levante David, franchise tagging, Chris Godwin, uh, Shaq Barrett. They are keeping those pieces in place that got them to the Super Bowl. And I think that if if it ain't broke, 
don't fix it. And clearly, the Bucks are not broken. I think that keeping their roster together was the best decision because, I mean, it'd be hard to replace a cat like Levante David or Shaq Barrett, especially for a reasonable price, but for the talent that you're actually getting. So I think that I would definitely classify them as a winner. And in terms of a loser, admittedly, I had a team, but I like the Will Fuller signing, so I'm going to give them a break. I'm going to say the Las Vegas Raiders. One, you're losing Memphis. Exactly. Rodney Hudson is in Arizona. They traded uh, Gabe Jackson to Seattle. I love the Yannick signing. But other than that, you lose Nelson Aguilar, who was your best wide receiver. You really haven't added anything offensively. You bring in Kenyon Drake, but I mean, what's I don't understand the purpose of that. Just because it's like you don't need Kenyon Drake because you have Josh Jacobs, so you use you could use that money elsewhere to another position, particularly probably somebody in your secondary. So I don't, like I said, outside of Yannick, I don't love the moves. I think that the Raiders, if anything, they're the fact that they're getting rid of people. Instead of adding in more people, especially considering the season that they had, like it's just not helpful. And so it's, I think it's only going to make things harder for Derek Carr because he's losing, like you said, offensive linemen, and he's losing his best target of a year ago. So I think that the Raiders are really setting themselves up for failure. Like unless they put together a great draft and they know something about these cats that we didn't know, I think that it's going to come back to bite them. All right, let's talk NBA. Ethan, what are your top three takeaways of this past week's action? Top three takeaways are Jimmy Butler's a bad man. Yes, sir. We both, we both know this anyway, and we both are big Jimmy Butler advocates. But since he's returned, the Miami Heat are, I believe, 9-2. I know that they lost against my Grizzlies last night on a game winner by, you know, rookie of the year, Big 12, John Morant. Uh, you know, against the team that, you know, had apparently two players who should have won Rookie of the Year, according to them. Yeah, they dropped. But outside of that, it was a – Jimmy Butler's a bad man. And the Miami Heat are rolling. So, I'm looking – I honestly think he should be in the MVP conversation. But it's a lot of players right now that should be in the MVP conversation. So, it was kind of difficult to add names. Yeah. Um, number two, you know, another guy that should – this should be an MVP conversation. Ever since James Harden came to Brooklyn, he has been one of the best players in the game of basketball right now. Like, this man is literally doing unprecedented things on a nightly basis. And I guess, you know, I know the whole asterisk of James Harden in the playoffs. But for right now, I can definitely say James Harden is one of the best players in the game. And number number one, you know, the Charlotte Hornets are a very exciting team to watch. Who would have thought some we would say that? Yes, like who would have like Lamelo Ball? He's just like Terry Rozier is so like Terry Rozier is making balls. Scary Terry making kills. Scary Terry. Like this guy is averaging like. Over the last couple of weeks, I think he's averaging like 25 points a game. And yes, they aren't about to win the NBA championship by any means necessary. But they are showing to be a, a young upcoming team. They basically are the Grizzlies of last year. Because 
everybody thought that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the division, and they're they're currently in the playoffs, and they're exciting to watch. All right, I feel you on that. Do you think they last? you think that they end up in the playoffs? I think they will, just because it's the East, and, like, outside of the uh, the top four teams. It's pretty scattered it's, as far as record. Yeah. All right, for me, um, oh, I've got it. Let's go ahead and talk Mamba Players of the Week. I'm not going to lie. When I did this originally, I forgot about my good man, Jimmy Butler. I have to go with him for my Eastern Mamba, Mamba Player of the Week. Like you said, just been playing lights out since he's been back, and that's just continued on through the All-Star break, really breathing life into Miami. Like you said, I could see him as an MVP candidate. It's just I wouldn't say it's – right now I would say it's really – four or five players, not even four or five, like three or four players who are really in that conversation. So I think that he could etch his name out. I could see him find a way to get his name up there, especially if the Heat do keep rolling, um, which I believe that they can do. So, yeah, I'm going to go Jimmy. I mean, like you said, lost last night, but, I mean, still, he's just been dominating. I'll say that he's not the reason they lost. He's not that at all. Dropped 24, 24-7-2. Just really been putting together a really great year. And, I mean, like Dwayne Wade said, he won't care, but he sees him in the MVP conversation. So that's my Eastern uh, Mamba Player of the Week. For me, I got to go with Scary Terry since you gave love to Jimmy Butler. For the sole reason of, like, these past couple games, for Charlie, he's been the closer. Like, he's been a guy that's been taking the game over in the fourth quarter. He's hit a couple game winners for this team. And, like I said, he's making Boston regret the fact that they took Kimba over him. Agreed. All right, let's talk out the West. He's been the recipient of this award a few times, but I got to go Dirty Dame. I mean, if you want to talk Mamba, we love a, we love a game winner. We love those big moments, just like he did against the Pelicans and dropped 50 on their head as well. Could just continue in great performances, 38, 25, 30, 44. He's just, he's just so fun to watch. He's Dirty Dan's probably the most fun player in the league to watch right now. I mean, there's other people, of course, you could say, but for me, Dame has been fun, but also he's been a killer. So I got to go Dirty Dame. I'm in agreement with Damian Lillard because – Solely because if it's a close game with five to four minutes left in the game, that's the excitement that you can get from saying that regardless of what he did for the first three quarters, like that if you shoot terrible for the first three quarters. But when it gets to that five, he turns it up. If you let them stick around and it's like a five to ten point game, Dan will go off. Like, he in that, in that um, Pelicans game, I think he scored, like, maybe anywhere between 14 and 17 points in that fourth quarter and hit the game winner. Like, that's, that's Mamba to the umpteenth degree. And the fact that he's been doing these things for the majority of the time, we see that McCullough hurt. Like, yes, CJ came back last night, but it was his first game back from injury. So, you aren't expecting a typical CJ McCullough performance, even though he did hit a clutch three in that game. But Dane, that's a bad dude. Like he, I agree with you. He is one of the. I will say him and Steph when they're hot, they're 
dunked on. But it's not a lot a lot of it going on in the NBA anymore. Because so, everything's happening on the perimeter. Everything's happening yeah. behind the three-point line. Yeah, so, like, to see with Dane, when he gets going, especially when he gets going, he, like, start. He don't really talk shit, but he has, like, little subtle things that he says or, like, little subtle expressions that he does after he makes a big play. And it's just like, yeah, he know he that dude. Because he is. He is that dude. Um. So, yeah. And then let's talk rookie. My rookie Mamba player of the week. Like I said, man, it's, it's, this we're just going to keep going with the trends. This is going to LaMelo again. Just continuing to be a force. A big reason why, like you said, the Charlotte Hornets are becoming a team that's fun to watch. He's really carrying the load. And, I mean, we talked about it last week. Whereas other rookies have been inconsistent and kind of, like, just lacked that the real star quality on a consistent basis, LaMelo hasn't been one of those guys. Yeah, for me, I'm going to have to go with Anthony Edwards. I forget who was the opponent, but he just dropped. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, he just dropped like 34 points, and they actually won the game. Lamelo, he's a, he's a. I know for a fact he's a lot for rookie of the year, in my opinion. But if Anthony Edwards is able to like string together some more of those performances, like in a second half, he might make it interesting. But in the case of this, in the case of for right now. Is the Mamba Rookie of the Week? I gotta go, Anthony Edwards. Most definitely. And by the way, it was Portland who he dropped that thirty-four on, and it had twenty-nine against the Lakers. So he has been balling. He's had some really good games um, up to this point. All right. The like we said earlier at the top of the show, we are a week away from the NBA trade line, trade deadline, and we are starting to get some traction. Not much, but a little. Starting with the Oki. Okay, see Thunder. Uh, trading Trevor Ariza to the Heat for Myers Leonard in a second-round pick. P.J. Tucker uh, of the Rockets was traded to the Bucks um, in addition to Radonius Corrux and a 2022 first-round pick. And the uh, Rockets will be getting D.J. Augustin, D.J. Wilson, a future tw- first-round pick swap in a 2023 first-round pick. Um, and the Bucks traded Torrey Craig to the Suns for cash considerations. Um, and just continuing to talk for trades, apparently the Rockets have been in talks with um, the Magic and they're trying to get Aaron Gordon. And if that takes place, the plan is to swap Victor Oladipo for Gordon. And then also, um, yeah, so those are some um, some moves. Also, it's re- being reported that uh, Lonzo Ball, according to the most accurate source of all time, LeVar Ball, that Lonzo cannot stand New Orleans and he hopes he gets traded. So, of the trades that actually did take place, what were your thoughts? And then how do you feel about LeVar's recent comments about Lonzo's current team? I'm going to I'm going to switch there for a second. Okay. Wait, what? Yeah, he said. That's why, because the thing, that's why, like, Lonzo was having his best career, his best season of his career right now in the world. Like, he, I, I don't know exactly how many points per game he's averaging. Uh, he's averaging 14.2, 5.5 assists, 4.2 boards. Okay, so that's, that's his career numbers. And he, I know he's shooting a really good percentage from three. Like, that's wild. I, I don't think it's true. I feel like this is just LeVar running his mouth. If it is true, it's, it's crazy on Lonzo's part. But, then, why? My guess would be if it is true, 
Maybe it's because he's not, he doesn't have that big of a role. Or not, not big as a role, I'm sorry. He's not getting as much attention as Brandon Ingram and Zion. So maybe he wants to be somewhere where like his, his play would get recognized. Like that would really be the only thing that would, I guess, kind of substantiate that. That would make it make sense. Because like, like you said, like he's having a career year. This is the best Lonzo has looked. And if he, I'm sorry, go ahead, man. No, I was just going to say, like, if that's the case, where is he going to go? Apparently the Knicks. Apparently the Knicks are a team that he is interested in um, joining next summer because um, he is going to be a restricted free agent. Okay. Well, I hope he had fun. <laughs> I hope he um, enjoyed this year. All I got to say is if you go to the Knicks and you revert back to the laws of old, you will be crucified. So you can have fun with that, buddy. But as far as um the other half of it, as far as like the most the the trade that intrigued me the most, I actually like PJ Tucker going to the Bucks because he adds another defender. He's a low he he's a low usage player. Like he doesn't need the ball. He's another one of those guys that Giannis can kick it to because we all know that their offense is really everybody staying outside three point line. And Giannis kicks them the ball. And also, being honest, I don't know if they still were doing this, but this frees a room for Drew Holiday to start. Like, I remember watching the game. I haven't watched a lot of basketball lately because I've been in the process of moving. But uh, I remember I watched the Bucks versus Grizzlies game before the playoff, before the um, All-Star game. And they had B.J. Augustine starting. And I was like, y'all know y'all got Drew Holiday, right? Like, is he hurt? I and think I, like, I know he had been dealing with some injuries this year. Okay, okay. So he probably was just they probably was doing it to warm him up. But it's like, but still, and I think I don't think PJ Tucker's gonna start because unless they slide Chris Middleton to the uh, back down to the two. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't see him starting either. Yeah, but I mean, even still, like he could, he could be a valuable piece to come off the bench. You know, he played. He could be a he could be a small ball four man and like you run Giannis at the five. He can guard he can guard multiple positions. I like the assignment a lot, and I think it could be it's one of those signings that could pay dividends in the playoffs. No, I'm in agreement with you. I do think that it was a nice move uh, for the Bucks. I mean, especially considering the other only real trade that is taking place. I think that this is one that can actually have an effect. Um, like you said, I mean, PJ Tucker. A reason why he's been in the league so long is because he does not command the ball. He's not a guy who has to have the ball at all times, which is why he's so sustainable. That's why he's been able to produce for so long. So I'm in agreement with you. I think that it could be a really nice fit. Um, I think that it may kind of hurt losing the guard depth with uh, trading DJ Augustine. But, I mean, for what you got in return, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's kind of a win-win in doing that. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's a good move. Um, and just kind of adding a little bit to the Lonzo stuff. I mean, if he does hate it, like I said, I just think it's because he doesn't like that he's not the star. I guess he doesn't enjoy it. Like being third third string, I guess, because Zion is going to get his pop and B.I. is going to get his. And he's having a career year, but I just don't see him having a year like that if he was around less talent. So that's the – that is the, I guess, the blessing and the curse of being the best player on a team because it's like, okay, you're great elsewhere, but when it's just you, can you re- can you reproduce the same stuff? I mean, Kobe had to go through it when Shaq left. Okay, you cool with Shaq. What can you do without him? 
Kobe proved that he could do it. But there are a lot of instances where the same thing is not shown. So I think that this could be a case of that for Alonzo. So I and get I, it, I guess, but nah. And I was going to say, like, if he wants to go to the Knicks, he's not going to be the best player. Julius Randle would be, honestly. going to be the best player. And Julius Randle, in my opinion right now, is a more skilled, less explosive version of Zion. Like, they, they both bully to the rim. Julius Randle has a significantly better jumper. He's a better play. For the time being, he's a better playmaker because Zion is showing flashes of being a decent playmaker. But, like, if in the case of Lonzo, like, you think he's going to go to New York and be the best player? Like, no. Because you have Zion, you still have R.J. Barrett, who's, who's been steadily improving, like, throughout the course of this season. And, like, from the from the sounds of it, they might be getting a superstar in the offseason. We know that we've heard this. We hear it every year, but this is the first time it's like it really could happen. Yeah, because I think the thing of it is, is in the past seasons, superstars didn't want to come to New York and be the quote-unquote savior of New York. And, like, if the Knicks, all signs are showing they will make the playoffs this year. And the quote-unquote savior of New York right now has been Julius Randle. So if you add a super, especially a perimeter superstar like i.e. a Devin Booker or a Bradley Beal to the equation. Like, the Knicks could be, especially with Thibodeau's coaching, like, yes, you know, he runs players into the ground, but he gets players. He gets results. He gets them to, like, he's the type of guy, you'll run through a brick wall for Tom Thibodeau. Right. So, I think that, you know, this might, like you said, this might actually be the first time where it comes to fruition where they can get a big, a big star name attached to their um, to their franchise, something that they haven't had honestly since Carmelo. So, but as far as Lonzo, like yeah, bro, if you want to go to New York and be the quote unquote best player, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'm agree with you on that. All right, let's go ahead and move on because it just seems like these old men are just continuously pissing people off. Once again, Shaq has made controversial comments, making people feel some type of way. This time, it is the in reference to the WNBA. Um, so he made comments about WNBA potentially getting better rank- ratings if they lowered the rim and saying this. In beach volleyball, the women's net is half an inch lower. If we lower the rim so y'all dunk how we dunk, would it help the NBA, WNBA? I don't see dunks. And to that, Candace Parker said, no, it's coming. My next child will be drop-stepping dunks. So... And these comments have actually made people feel some type of way because they felt like it was kind of derogatory to, towards the women who are in the league now. So do you find his comments disrespectful? Uh, I don't find it disrespectful, but I don't think he should have said Yeah. The reason I say this is because we all know that the WNBA is a very far superior brand as far as rating goes is the WNBA. And and honestly, the reason, in my opinion, because of that, it isn't because women aren't dunking. Because, you know... I mean, you can watch men dunk all day, and that don't mean people gonna watch a Thunder game. Like, like I watched watched Kawhi Leonard dunk, and it's like some of the most boring things ever. Except when he dunked on 
pissed off. But the thing of it is, the NBA they build their they build superstars and they build brands in with their superstars. Like it's a lot of WNBA players that people just do not know about. Facts. Like people know about Candace Parker, they might know about Brittany Griner, they might know about they know about Maya Moore. But if if not if anything, mainly because what she's been doing lately, as opposed to her play, yeah. even though she's a multi-time WNBA champion. Yeah, they know about yeah exactly like you said Maya Moore. They know about Tia Cooper, but they know about Tia Cooper not because of her playing. Because Dwight team. Howard. Not even that. They know about Tia Cooper because she's fine. Because I'm that I'm gonna be funny. That's how, that's when I first realized who she was. I saw her on like I saw her on like a highlight, and I watched because I was like, okay, it's like she did a move, and then they did a close up on her, and I was like, dang, she fine, and. That's how I got to know Tia Cooper. It wasn't, it was essentially because of her on the court skills, but it, it like, was our appearance. Well, like, uh, physical appearance. And, but it's a lot of very talented, skilled women in the WNBA. And the thing of it is, it's like the only, it's only a handful of known players in the WNBA. Like, obviously, Sue Bird, Sue Bird Brianna Stewart, um, Brittany in that school, even though she got injured her rookie season. But that's why I think of it. And honestly, yes, sometimes probably some of the um athletic differences does play a part in it. Like, but I think that the thing the truth of it is if you're a basketball fan and you love basketball for what it is and the purity of the game, you watch the WNBA. The people that aren't watching it are the casual fans. They want the flash. Yeah, they want the flash. They want the dunks. They want the stiff carry, shoot the three, and turn turn away before it goes in. But, like, basketball peers, they love the NBA, WNBA. Why do you think all of the big stars in the NBA support the WNBA so much? Because they're basketball fans. They're basketball peers. Like, why do you think LeBron was wearing the WNBA hoodie during the um, bubble? Why do you think John Moran was wearing it? Why do you think CJ McCollum was wearing it? Because they're fans of basketball, regardless of whether it's men or women. So, in a sense, I think he's disrespectful in saying it because he was like taking a shot at saying that the NBA, the NBA was better. But I don't think that, and also in a sense, I don't think he was fully disrespectful by saying lowering the rim because I feel like that does play a part in. Um, the lack of fanmanship because of the athletic differences between men and women. I'm gonna I'm in agreement with you that about the brand thing, which I'll get to, but first I'll just I'll just talk about Shaq's comments. I won't say it's disrespectful, but it's like you said, it's something that shouldn't have been said. I think that especially when you're talking to one of the most accomplished WNBA players in the league and you tell her, Oh, if y'all low if you people more people dunked, everything will be okay. And it's just like that's that that's not how that works. You know what I'm saying? Like, if that was the case, everybody will watch basketball just for the dunks. It's not just about the dunks. Especially now, because so much of the attention is being geared towards shooting. And so or at least, you know, long distance shooting. So yeah, I'm in agreement with you that I think that I think just to say that as like a catch all would just fix everything, I'm in a disagreement with that because when you watch women's basketball, it's more about the fundamentals. It's more about getting that stuff done as opposed to doing flashy stuff. And like you said, it's not for everybody. 
I love the WNBA. I am a huge Sparks fan. Not gonna lie, my feelings were real hurt when Candace Parker said she was going to Chicago, even though I understand it. But the WNBA is just, it's not for everybody. And I think that just because if you're going to see women dunking, I don't think that's magically just going to make the WNBA more appealing. And to go what you said about um, branding, that's a great point. Because honestly, most of the players that we mentioned, real talk, very few of them are actually known for being basketball players. Sue Bird, yes, because she's been playing forever. Diana Taurasi, because she's been playing forever. Maya Moore, if you watch basketball, you know she's a star. But more than anything, you know because of what she's been doing as far as like uh, social justice reforms. Candace Parker, she's not necessarily a well-known player, but but now because she's on TNT doing shows with Shaq and them, that's really putting more eyes on her as opposed to her accomplishments on the court. And we could go down the list of like great players like Cheryl Swoops, um, Lisa Leslie, other players who were tremendous but did not get that same acclaim. So I, I agree with you. I think that the WNBA, or even not in the WA, but I feel like just you know, other media outlets could do a better job of promoting the sport, of promoting the league. The, I think how the NBA does it, the what they do is fine, but I feel like if ESPN or um, ABC or whatever the games are streaming on, if they would have put more emphasis to make it like, yo, this game is important. Like, I, get, I don't know about if you, but like for ESPN, I get emails about – is game night for the N- NBA, such and such. Like, yeah. So it's like, but you don't get that same thing for the WNBA. Why are you not hyping that mu- up as much as well? So I think that, so like I said, I think you just made a really great point about it just being about branding. Because most players who are successful, we don't know them because of what they're doing on the court. We know them because of their appearance or what they're doing outside of basketball. So I think you made a really good point with that. Cause I was gonna say like case in point, Chanel Dumake is a people, dog. People, is so is her and her sister are Neka. Neka Neka is better. Chanel yeah, is Nekka good is too, better. but Neka is a Neka. She's but, a former MVP. But a lot of people, only reason they know about Chanel is because she's on. She works for ESPN. was when Kobe died because Kobe was such a proponent of women's basketball. So that was like the most advertisement I've seen women's basketball get. And this was the first time I was like, oh, they really hyping up the WNBA draft. Oh, they talking about the great players coming out of colleges. Like, what is this? You know, like it was the one of the first times. And unfortunately, it had to take Kobe Bryant's passing for people to be like, oh, women's hoopers matter, too. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk COVID. Now, the NBA has been one of the strictest uh, sports leagues 
in the nation with regards to how they deal with COVID and their restrictions. But apparently the NBA and NBA PA have agreed to new protocols for COVID-19 vaccinated individuals. So in essence, this is what it means for players or coaches or assistants who have gotten the COVID vaccine. Um, they get the opportunity to leave their hotel room at any time, eat at outdoor restaurants, interact with any other person at home, be with four guests on the road without prior testing, and no mask at the practice facility. Do you think that this is a good move? Uh, I will say if, if the CDC approves of this, I think it's a good move. But I also think that this is a kind of, because we both know that the vaccination is a touchy topic. Like, it's people that are pro-vaccination, it's people that are anti-vaccination. And it's probably like that in the NBA also. Yeah. And we all know that because of COVID, the way their life is taking a turn because of COVID, a lot of people are tired of it. Like, a lot of people are tired of, you know, social distancing, wearing masks, having to quarantine, having to only have a limited amount of people around you. So in some ways, I feel like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where they subconsciously are trying to promote you to get it because it's like, okay, you get this vaccine, you can kind of go back to like semi-regular semi life. Right. Whereas, People in your room, things of that nature, all the things that were that are basically taken away from you from COVID. It's not kind of, it's not quote unquote mandating players to do it, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know, you offer them, you give, you give them incentives to do something. Right. But I think, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I'm just gonna say I think you know, honest. I'm just one of the people where it's like you know. I want as many people to get vaccinated and I want this thing to end as fast as possible. I lost my mom to COVID. So I'm very it's a very touchy and hard subject for me. So yeah, I think, you know, it's just one of those things where if if people I just want people to do the right thing, whether they and if they don't think it's the right thing, it's fine by them. So that's where I'm at on. Honestly, like, I think in terms of, like, player morale, because we've seen and heard players vocalize being frustrated about the little freedom that they have when they're on the road or when they can't really spend time with their families because of COVID and COVID restrictions. So in terms of morale, I, I like it. But other than that, it's like, I, I understand you want to give the players the freedoms, but, like, this is a lot of stuff. Like, if they can leave their hotel rooms at any time, that's still... Just because you have the vaccine is not a guarantee that you're going to never get it again. And so, because they don't really know. Like, there's been cases of players... Or not players, but people who have gotten it and gotten tested positive for COVID before. I mean, again. So, even though, of course, when you hear vaccine, you want to assume that everything's going to work out, you don't have that guarantee. And so if players are still going back out willy-nilly or just being without their mask and you don't, because you still don't know where these people have been, I think that it's still a bit too early for it. I think that maybe, maybe playoff time do this, but I think that it's still so many people and still so many other, um, it's so many people involved in the league. There's so many other people that they're going to be in contact with, so many other places that they're going to be traveling for games. And I just, 
Part I don't know if I would take the risk just yet. I think I would personally I would try to wait it out. But like I said, in terms of player morale and wanting to make your players happy and feel more comfortable, I understand what that I understand that viewpoint. But all right, let's close this bad boy out. Make game predictions. So uh, we already got some games in action. Uh, it is Thursday, March eighteenth. Uh, right now at halftime, it's the Utah Jazz uh, down against the Washington Wizards, sixty-four. 46. Ethan, do you think that the Wizards are going to be able to hold on to their lead? Uh, part of me thinks they will, but it's also this part of me that thinks they don't because Utah is one of them type of teams that they can make a run. They're a very well-coached team. They, run, they have a very free-flowing offense. But I feel like with wrestling Bradley Bill, more so Bradley Bill, they can hold on to the lead. Yeah. Russ got 22 in the first half, and Bill got 13. So they're both balling. Um, I literally just had them. Donovan Mitchell has nine. Joe Ingles has been really the best performer for the Jazz right now. He has 17. I think the Wizards will be able to pull it out just because I think they're going to – last few games they've been playing really aggressively, and I think that they have a nice enough lead to where as long as they don't get to take their foot off the pedal, they should be able to make it happen. All right, uh, 8.15 left in the second quarter between the Atlanta Hawks and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hawks are up 39-26. to 26. I see Hawks being able to pull this one out. Yeah, I see the Hawks pulling it out, but I won't count out the Thunder because they're some scrappy cats. Very much like, so. Like, it's honestly, when you think about it, it's Shaq Gilgis Alexander and a bunch of people that you cannot name. Yeah. But a bunch of people that you cannot name, they play hard. And Shaq... He's a bucket. Like, I don't care what nobody says. Shy is a hooper. Dude's cold. But I got Hawks. All right, uh, next game up, it is the Orlando Magic versus the New York Knicks. Right now with 10-18 left in the second, uh, Magic are up 28-25. I think Knicks come back to win. Yeah, I got the Knicks, especially, you know, they're going to be probably going to be a little motivated after what happened on the debacle of the – Oh, the That's travel. Oh, it actually was a travel. Yeah, it was. Julius All right, let's go ahead and move on. Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Phoenix Suns. I got Suns. I got Suns in a blowout. All right, uh, New Orleans Pelicans versus the Portland Trailblazers. I'm sure the Pelicans want to give revenge on Dane for dropping that 50 in the game winner, but I still got Trailblazers. I got Trailblazers, and Dane might drop 50 again. All right, last game, Charlotte Hornets versus the Los Angeles Lakers. I know that my Lakers do not look good right now. I cannot wait till Anthony Davis gets back because, Lord knows, this is ugly. But I still got Lakers over Hornets. I still got Lakers. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I know that LaMelo is downplaying the whole fact that he's playing LeBron for the first time. Which but I don't think is that disrespectful. I don't. I, don't, I think people are blowing it out of proportion. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people just think, because the thing of it is, it's like, LeBron's an all-time great, but LeBron isn't everybody's quote-unquote favorite player. And LaMelo also might just be one of them type of cats where it's like, I'm not about to, uh, I'm not about to fanboy over these people because I got to play against them. Right. Which I, I totally agree. No, I agree. I mean, because the thing is, if you fanboyed over every player you are a fan of growing up or watching, you wouldn't be able to do anything. 
Like, you would just be so enamored with them that you can't focus on the task at hand. Yeah, LeBron, you a great player, but I want to beat you. So I think that – so I think it's getting overblown. I mean, I don't think it's disrespectful. It's not like he called him out his name. It was like, man, LeBron is garbage. He just said he, got, he ain't tripping off it like that. It's another game, which I understand. After the – in the offseason, if you want to, you know, fanboy, and be like, man, I love you so much, that's one thing. But on the court, you got to handle your business. But all right, let's talk some WWE. All right, and joining us to talk some WWE, we got the 55-minute, 32-second man, a.k.a. Brother Keezy, a.k.a. the person who's probably going to beat me in these fast lane predictions because I really don't know what the hell is going to happen. Hello. Hi. All right. Let's talk WrestleMania because much like the WWE, who cares about fast lane when you can just promote WrestleMania? So, so far, here are the matches that we know are going to be taking place it's apparently going to be Raw Tag Team Championships. The New Day defending against the new, I guess, tag team of AJ Styles and almost. The uh, WWE Championship match with Bobby Lashley defending his title against Drew McIntyre. SmackDown Women's Championship, Sasha Banks defending her title against Bianca Belair. And Universal Championship, possibly Roman Reigns or Daniel Bryan defending their titles against Edge. Now, I don't know if you watch Raw. There were a lot of instances when Bobby Lashley would talk about his match with Drew McIntyre and was calling it the main event. All I know is if I don't see my two black queens defending, fighting for the SmackDown Women's Championship in the main event of one of these matches, we're going to have a real problem, Vincent. It's just like, it's random. They like call all three of those matches the main event. It was like, as much as I like Drew versus Bianca, they had great matches in the past. No. Sasha and Bianca deserve that main event spot. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, you would think, right? Because it'd be crazy, you know, if the you know the Royal Rumble winner actually got the main event, especially because since it's two nights of Mania and there's two winners, you would think that that two main events, and two winners, it right literally writes itself. Like no, no offense to Bobby and you, like yeah, I can see like Bobby, the the match before the main, the semi main event. There you yeah, go. and that'd be fine too. You know, you can go on for the women and you know carry on about your business. But no, absolutely not. Don't take their spot. But you know who's the real winner of WrestleMania? Titus O'Neil, who was named as the host of WrestleMania. The only host that yep. matters. Mm -hmm. Because I, I saw this earlier. He, why, we don't need him there. Let, let Titus about. do it by himself. He I can don't do even it. know what you're talking you know about. No, get Billy Kay. Titus and Billy Kay. That would be freaking awesome. Because, like, they can host it together or they can host separate nights, but Titus and Billy Kay. Those are, those are the two hosts that we need. I mean, that's the host if you ask me. But you know what? Speaking of hosts, speaking of figures, and speaking of controversy, the king of controversy was announced as second inductee of the 2021 WWE Hall of Fame class. Yes, Eric Bischoff will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, joining Molly Holly as the second member of the class. So congratulations. Well deserved. You know, you tried to kill this big man in the ratings, which you did for eighty three weeks, as in the entire your podcast. Eighty three well, weeks. He did it, but in the end Vince won, so okay. hey. and he got to put him in a dumpster. I mean a trash uh, garbage truck. So I, I mean, mean who's really winning? One of the best general managers that Raw has seen in a, a long time. Yeah. Like one of the best general managers, well deserved. And I'm just excited to hear his theme song because he has a great theme song. He's one of the few people who necessitate being a general manager. Other times there have been general managers like, why are you here? Eric Bischoff is definitely one of those cats who deserves it. So since WWE and Fox have gotten a partnership, 
Fox has been very vocal on social media with regards to WWE. And so a few weeks ago, there was discussions about the NBA logo and if they should change it. So it made Fox ask if WWE had a logo, who would it be? So you can give your biased and your unbiased opinion of who would really be the WWE logo. Um, or being biased is going to be my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, either him. But like, if I had be had an unbiased opinion, it would probably be John Cena. That that would, like that just probably just be like my answer. Like it's most likely be John Cena, because like obviously he did for the promotion, like stuff he's still currently doing promotion and like doing stuff on his own. Like he always finds his way back to WWE. Like he he was their poster boy from like two thousand four, all and still. Is, Still, it's just about now, even though he's not even on the show. Like, when people think of um, the one name they're going to mention is John Cena. Like, even people who don't watch wrestling, like, he's one person who sticks out just about probably more than anybody. Um, that's like a that's an older wrestler, like Rick Flair, Stone Cold, The Rock. Like, for me, like, just completely unbiased. Like, the person who'd be on WWE's logo was probably John Cena. I mean, I'm in agreement as far as Shawn Michaels being the logo. I think that, you know, the GOAT should represent, but because life, I, in the terms of who I think it'll be, I think it'll be Stone Cold, because whereas John Cena is very popular, Stone Cold was definitely, I'm not going to say the savior of wrestling in the Attitude Era, but he was definitely a figure that literally everybody knows. John Cena, and not only knows, but it's rare to find someone who does not like Stone Cold. John Cena is a polarizing figure to where some people will like him, other people don't. Stone Cold is like universally loved. And he's a really recognizable symbol. So pretty much if you see a bald hair head person, even if you don't, if it's just an image or just a silhouette, you know it's Stone Cold. I think it'd be really recognizable. Just hear a glass breaking, like, oh, Stone Cold. <laughs> that literally tells you everything you need to know. I mean, like I said... I've never professed to be the biggest fan of Stone Cold, but I mean, you can, cannot watch Stone Cold and not be entertained. Like the stuff that he and John Cena both did for the company, like the, the amount of money they brought to the company, like... Yeah, and so like, if you're, like I said, for the appeal of like kids, hell yeah, John Cena is that guy, but everybody yeah, else hard, is like hard. Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. I mean, people still chant what, you know, not, you know, in the last year because no fans, but you know what I mean. I, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, I'm not mad at that either, but just the thing, like, for example, 316 just passed and like all around the sports world, it was celebrated. Yeah. Like that just shows you the universal appeal of Stone Cold. Yeah, LeBron has on 316 shirt. If we're being honest, not the Lord, this is not me being disrespectful, but people think of Austin 316 more than they think of John 316, like, which is a very, one of the most famous Bible verses of all time. But if you say 316, I'm willing to bet more people are going to think of Stone Cold, which just shows you the power of Stone Cold. Let's stay in church, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even there'll be some closet wrestling fans like, like, give me a hell yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm in church. Never mind. My bad. This was on me. (laughs) But yeah, so I I think it'd be Stone Cold. John Cena is another easy one. That's it. Those are the two only incredibly popular wrestlers of all time. Those are the only two considerations. I don't know how anybody else could even compare Vincent, which is why Titus O'Neil is the only WrestleMania host that the I only acknowledge. The only, one that, the, one, the only one that matters. Speaking of... It's, uh, it's the black WrestleMania. Okay? But, you know, speaking... 
now that I think about it, this is the most diverse WrestleMania we've had. In- <laughs> yeah, Black Coast, two black women main event. I'm I'm saying they're main event because they're going. But even if they don't, which they should, they're still a black world champion. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie to you. Then Bobby Lashley's also an other world champion. No, I was. That's what I was talking about, Bobby. Like, good guy. You got. I'm gonna say. Roman who's Samoan. God, huh. I mean, wow. Now you think about team champs. There's Whoa. the two men's <laughs> champions. None of the even the challengers aren't American. Huh. Black women. I mean, you love to see it. But okay. now that I think about it with Hulk Hogan. It's like, yeah, diversity, but also just to keep you a little bit humble. Racist. Hulkamania. All right, but uh, we talked about things that were unpopular, and it sounds like Charlie Caruso is becoming more and more unpopular backstage. It's recently been reported that Charlie Caruso has been pulled from WWE television due to her having backstage heat due to being late to interviews, including specific incidents with Sheamus and probably the last person in the backstage who you want to piss off, Randy Orton, which led to Vince McMahon being informed and taking action. So, do you think this is the end of Charlie Caruso in the WWE and that she's just going to start spending all her time at ESPN? I mean, probably not. But, like, if it is, like, she still has a good job. So, ESPN, they pay good money. But I don't I don't think it is. But, you know, this is my opinion. I, like, might see her, like, probably on SmackDown. <laughs> like, if she pitched off Sheamus and Randall Keith, you know, they are in the same building. But, you know. I feel like they can they can probably just switch her and Kayla. I mean, yeah, Kayla's dope. I don't think anybody has an issue with Kayla besides Selena Vega. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, like you know, just Sami Zayn, probably Paul Heyman. You know, but I mean, Paul Heyman Loki has a problem with everybody that's not Bianca Belair or Roman Reigns. Sasha, baby. You know, mostly women. Mostly women. Well, Jay is iffy. (laughs) Jay is so so. But uh, let, let's let's talk WrestleMania a bit. We're going to go back to the conversation because it's WrestleMania season. And per usual, WWE releases an annual list of the top 10 best WrestleMania or best WrestleMania main event matches. Uh-huh. This was the list that they recently posted. 10 Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar, WWE Championship, WrestleMania 19. Number name. 9, uh, WWF Championship. Of course, you're going to get Hulk Hogan versus... Intercontinental Champion, Ultimate Warrior, title for title, WrestleMania 11. Still haven't seen it. You're not missing much. Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan, WWE World Heavyweight Championship, WrestleMania 30. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins, WWE World Heavyweight Championship, WrestleMania 31. That's cute how you had to add in Seth Rollins. Because, yeah, if you're basing it off when Seth got in, sure. The Rock versus Stone Cold WWF Championship, WrestleMania um, 15, 1999, blah, blah, blah. Raw Women's Championship, uh, Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch versus SmackDown Women's Champion, uh, B. Charlotte Flair, winner takes all, WrestleMania 35. Bret hmm. Hart versus Shawn Michaels, 16-minute Iron Man match for WWF Championship, WrestleMania 12. The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Streak versus Career, WrestleMania 26. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant WWF Champion. Come on, really? Of course. <laughs> no, of course. Really? No, no. Now, while I'm more surprised I didn't put that in number one. What number is that, three? This is two. Oh, what? Yes. WrestleMania three. And then numero uno. John Cena versus The Rock. <laughs> WrestleMania 28. And in WWE's opinion, 
is the greatest WrestleMania main event of all time. Did they themselves post that? Yes, they did. It was on the WWE.com. Well, that's that's why that's why this list exists. Exactly. Because, um, because it's the first one, right? See, the first one actually wasn't that bad. It's not the greatest WrestleMania main event ever. According to WWE is. Right. WWE said it is, so what are you talking about? I, if you ask me what's the greatest WWE, you know, WrestleMania main event, I would easily go WrestleMania 20, Chris Benoit, who? Versus Shawn Michaels versus Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. But that's just me. That's easily my number that's one. one. This is somebody's opinion. Like, but, but I understand know, you can't Cena include that Rock, one you guy. You can't beat that. You Cena versus Rock, come on. Um, I, I think you can. I, I think you can. I think the second one was even better. I think Said neither no one of ever. them needed to happen. Like, guys, saying the first one, okay, you want to put some butts and seats, sell some tickets, plus there's, what is it, 28, right? Yes, 28. I think the, I think that was the highest bought mania. Because they wanted to see Rocket Boy, which is nice. But I, it's a hard no for me as far as the greatest one. But, you know, go off. That's my favorite main event of mania. It's not even, it, it's, this is not even me being biased. It's just. A great match like in terms of in my opinion I think the triple threat is I think one that's the great triple threat of all time and two like it's just one of the best main events because it's rare that the best match on the Wrestlemania card is the main event but in that instance it was and that was a tremendous Wrestlemania oh what I don't think I have a favorite main event so far because I feel like I can have a match that should have been the main event but wasn't the main event I Oh, WrestleMania 25, not the 25th anniversary, WWE. It's WrestleMania 25. But. I'm not going to lie to you. I like the Randy versus Triple H match of that year more than I like John Cena versus The Rock in terms of in terms of the match. Yes, the stipulation was stupid, but I thought it was a better overall match than The Rock and John Cena. Oh, yeah. It's just like The Rock, he's been in Hollywood for like most of his, like, from like since 2004. He wants to come back and have a match. Like, you want to have a match? That's fine. But like, you have a lot of ring rest. Especially you, you want to you want to wrestle one match. Also, it was you know, a tag team match. Hate to be that person, but I'll be that person. The Rock was not necessarily known for his wrestling ability to begin with, so you add Ring Rush to the top of that, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily going to be a recipe for success. Like he's he's not the most technically gifted wrestler in the ring. He's not bad per se, but he's not the greatest either. <laughs> Alright, but you know, yeah. we digress, but. Like who made what corporate guy made this list? Vince, did you make this list? Somebody who couldn't say Chris Benoit. You right. So Vince. Honestly, and then <laughs> hold on, what was the main event? Was it? And then wait, how y'all just gonna forget Batista versus Triple H at WrestleMania twenty one? Yep, twenty one. How how was that not in consideration at least for the top ten? I would take that over most of these matches. I should have my favorite match, like main event, Undertaker versus Edge. Like y'all are smoking that ain't, that didn't make the list either. I'm like WrestleMania twenty twenty four, right? Yes. I'm like that like they have great chemistry, like even though they almost killed some fans in the crowd, but it, that was a fantastic main event. <laughs> it didn't even make the list. Y'all I just wanna know what y'all constitute as great over there. Just let me know so I can know I forget, like, to disagree with Vince, it. Vince he's hired more yes men than ever, according to like what I've heard, like, oh, he's you had a lot like stop, stop! Y'all gotta start, start. Start telling his man the truth. Start telling him the truth because stop, stop. Because Just stop. I can understand because this list, like, of course you can't miss mention Mister Benway. Ben I I get that, 
And then, of course, because you want to include women, you have to somewhere put in the triple threat, which, in my opinion, is nowhere near the one of the greatest main events. Well, at least it shouldn't have been five. But you know, looking back at it, the, the main event actually wasn't that wasn't even bad. It's like there was like a seven hour pay per view. Of course, the crowd's not going to be into it. Man, it's like it's saying it's not like it's not top five. I would I would probably give it ten. I'd have to look at a list of the main yeah. events again, but I know it's not top five. I know it's not better than any of the matches we just named, but like, and I know for damn sure it's not better than the triple threat. Like I need y'all to um, review this list. Go over. It. I understand you WrestleMania twenty. Like you can't even mention that WrestleMania. Oh, wish <laughs> like, you could. So I can't even mention the the, Rum, the Royal Rumble from two thousand five either. Or was it 2006? No, it was 2005. That was five. It was definitely yep. five. You can't re- mention that rumble because there's definitely more than two men who won from number one. What you Shawn talking? Michaels, Edge, and Vacant. Yeah. You didn't know that? Yeah. That's your fault. Look, Vacant, he's he's won so much, so many things. IC title, world championships, tag team. He wins. Vacant wins it all. But Even I mean, women's championships. But I mean, you know, we could also make an argument that coming in at number one is just as difficult as it is coming in at number two, but we'll never... Yeah, it's, really, it's not no. like they're starting at the same time or anything. No, of course not. Because you, know, you have to. You two have men to... are one from number two, which is Vince McMahon and Ronald Mysterious. Yeah, which, but you know, that's nowhere near as, you know. That's no, it's not, not number like... one, though. It's not number one. Sure. No, 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 no. Not at all. But you know, you know, go off, have fun, be cute, enjoy your life. I, I disagree. I wanna, how many people want from number 30? Two. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Cena and Taker. But you know, people. Also, wait, how did they not have. Stone Cold vs. The Rock WrestleMania 19? No, no, 17. Oh, wait, so, oh, God, I don't know why I said 19. What? What? <laughs> yeah, y'all kind of drunk. Love Punch drunk. Yeah, you guys are kind of confused. John Cena vs. Shawn Michaels. You people are kind of confused. Yeah, John, <laughs> what? Who made this list? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking at a list of of uh, mania matches, and it's like, it's like um, are y'all okay? You know what? You just you just the, if if you want him to come back, if you want to get I mean him to come back, that's all you had to say. Look at the tagline for mania. Finally, <laughs> WrestleMania has returned. That's all you had to say. If you like, really want him to try to come back, that's all that you literally could just say that. You don't have to make this, this whoever, crap up. Whoever made this? Like, did y'all get a raise for this? No. <laughs> I, I they got ten cents at that check. They got a they got a pat on the back and they got called Good son job, pal. and it made Seth I mean not Seth Shane cry. All right, let's make our prediction for twenty twenty one fast lane because in truth I don't really yeah it's um some that are gonna be up in the air but I can assure you it's not gonna be a clean night. You'll see what I said that why I said that when we get to the tiebreaker. Starting with Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know why I wrote John Cena. I got Seth. Um, Mister. Wear a nice suit every single week, Seth Rollins. Um, wait a minute. Ooh, yep, yep, Seth. I feel like I was gonna say Shinsuke because he has a feud with Cesaro, and like last. No, it's Cesaro. 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 Or as his friends backstage call him, Big Dick Tony. I mean, whichever you prefer. You know, but I, but I go with Seth. Uh, this should be a. One of the best matches of the night because look at look at the two people I name. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a distraction finish as they do. You know, but you know, um, let's go Seth. I mean, of the matches on the card, this is the one I want to see the most. Well, second most. 
A match I don't really care about because you probably already guess I was going to go. Who's in this match? Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't like Shane McMahon. But in this instance, I like him more than Braun. And I feel like he's going to win. Of course, it's not going to be clean. But he's going to win. Then Braun gets his revenge at Mania. So I'm going Shane. Why are they feuding? Story long short, he keeps Apparently, he keeps screwing Braun and keeps calling Braun stupid. Which he is, like, Braun, you can't be in the WWE Championship match because you won the Universal Championship. It literally says Universal, like, WWE Champions, past champions. Why are you so, like, Braun, you stop yelling all the time. Just listen. You know, Shane, you're still not a good guy because, like, you're doing it for no reason. No, he's the heel of the situation. You know, Braun Shane was clearly a heel. I don't understand what they're doing, but... I don't know. He doesn't have to be on my TV, but I'm going Shane. Um, I want to say no winner, but I'll go Shane. I want to say no winner. All right, next up, the match that I am most looking forward to, Randy Orton versus Alexa Bliss. Another match that, let's be honest, this is not, not going to end how This is definitely going to be the main event as well. But I'm going to go Alexa somehow, some way. Like, she's not going to pin Randy or anything clean. Like, I feel like we're going to get a return of The Fiend, which I've been waiting on. And it's going to be great. And we're going to see more dark whatever the hell coming out of each of their mouths. And I mean, I'm excited. It may be, might. But other from... WrestleMania 30, what's that, 31, 32? Randy versus, no, that was 33. Yeah, it was 33 because they were in that, Orlando with maybe, the roller coaster. That was so cool. Maybe that match can, no, this not be better than that one. Let's yeah. not just have flashy stuff in the ring, okay? Thanks. Like, and not Randy not rock down a ramp on a floating sperm. Or just not have the ramp be 20,000 feet long. Well, you know what? Just make this match a cinematic match. Just kill kill all that. Just make it cinematic. It's WrestleMania. Go ahead. All right, who um, Let's say, um... Let's be different. Let's say Randall Keith. KO. Honestly, I don't really know who's going <laughs> to win. I just, I know that's going to lead to something else. I know, I, I know more like, like she's going to win, but you got the dark version of Randy from the, on the TV screen. Then you got the Fiend and the stuff. It's just a lot going on here. Yeah. I ain't mad at it, though. I like just, it. I just want to see the match now. No, no holds barred. Drew McIntyre <laughs> versus Sheamus. people killed each other in this one. This is literally just a match where there's like. Well, y'all two fight. Yeah, and so because of that, I'm going Sheamus. Cause it's not like Drew loses anything if he loses this match. I he feel like Bobby Lashley. Anyway. Yeah, Bobby Lashley's gonna interrupt and you know because he's Sheamus mad at Drew as well. So. Just for that reason, because like their past two matches on Raw been fantastic. Like, see, this is what Biggie was talking about: big meaty men slapping meat. Yeah, I don't mm. know if that's what he meant. But this time, he, I feel like with the interference from a bald, big sweaty man with a championship. No, no. No, he's a big bald bitch, in the words of Drew McIntyre. Oh my! Which was real disrespectful. And I ain't gonna lie I to you. I haven't watched Raw yet, so like I gotta see it. Yeah, no, he definitely called that like the beginning of the show. It like, was fun. Like I, high key, like them Drew, and the Miz was like the best part of the show. Like Drew, uh, I ain't gonna lie to you. Drew kicked your ass all last year, so um, I wouldn't be saying this. No, <laughs> like no. it, it, just because he didn't win a title, dude, he still kicked your ass. He can say what he wants. You're right, but um, they do what you want. This is a different Bobby Lashley. I mean, he's he got actually, an MVP now who doesn't care about the hurt business anymore. Huh? I mean, I haven't watched Raw. So, so long short, when the New Day won the Raw Tag Team Champions, he wasn't out there at all. He didn't even like make a fuss about it. Oh, he don't care. It's all about Bobby now. Lashley. It was Lashley. fun while it lasted, I guess, guys. 
But all right, next up, the Women's Tag Team Championship. We have two disgris- disgruntled teams, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending the their titles. Match to predict on this card. Yep, versus Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. I'm going Nia and Shayna mm-hmm. for the sole purpose of Sasha Banks is going to turn heel and turn on Bianca, a.k.a. the rookie, a.k.a. that's true, but also we can fight about it. Yeah, for the exact same reason. Because where, where do you go from here? You know. Also, what match are y'all going to do it? Man, yeah, with it. I don't care. Then if, again, can I, it I, just be Lana and Naomi, even though it seems like all these other tag teams are trying to sprout up from the, You know, I, st- the I think they might do Shayna versus Asuka. I mean, I'm great with that. Because uh, that's the match I want to see. Well, know? can you, when y'all going to lose the titles then? The tag titles. You got to, when are the number one contenders going to actually get their match? They did on Raw. They lost in like two minutes. Yeah, I think it was the Raw after they fought at NXT. They just had a random title match on Raw, and they lost in like in two minutes. Like literally, they they dominated the whole match. Okay, I, I, I thought. Think, wait, it was a no. I think it was either last week or week before. It was either last week or the week before. That. I know which one because it was sh- no. That was a one on one match. I thought mm, that was a tag. That was a tag team title match. They, they did on the random episode of Raw, and they literally beat them like in two minutes, maybe three. Truthfully, I don't even care enough to. I don't even care enough. Okay, the, cool. The company doesn't even care. Nia and Shayna, but I honestly I liked them when they were going to NXT. Now that seemed like that would have been cool, but, but now, since then it's like not. Nah. NXT probably had another outbreak, so now get the only take some titles. Which actually, they signed a lot of women, so it makes sense. So. I mean, hey, death. All right, Intercontinental Championship: Big E versus Apollo. I mean, Crews. Actually, actually kind of hard to predict because I can see both people winning this match. Yeah, um, I I think I'm gonna go Big E for the sole purpose of I think that Apollo's gonna get disqualified mm. because yeah I don't I I feel like this is gonna be prolonged to Mania yeah, um, so I'm gonna go Big E. I have Apollo winning, but not the title. You like, think that Big E's gonna be like lose his cool and they get DQ? Because yeah. I can see that. Like I feel like he might use the steps against. Like I feel like Paul might try to use steps. Biggie like like blocks it or whatever. Like he used steps against him. Like 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 say because WrestleMania like in three weeks. So three yeah three from Sunday. So this might be two weeks away. What a life. So like, good. why is this pay per view here? <laughs> you know, Peacock. Yeah, you, you mean that pay per view roadblock? This is what this is. Peacock basically. Yeah, but like um, I can see Apollo winning, but not the title. Feels that. All right, next up, a match that, in my opinion, is the easiest. Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan with Edge as the special ringside enforcer. Jay, why you keep, why you keep doing this to Roman? Win your matches. <laughs> I mean, look, he got, he he messed up Edge's ribs. I don't know what he did to that man, but he had welts, like, all over his stomach. And then he had to take a spear from it, Roman, which looked like hell. Well. So, yeah, I got row, 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 your boat. Because, especially because Daniel Bryan keeps trying to antagonize him like Roman is some <laughs> punk, and that's the last one you want to do it to. But yeah, that's why I had the contract cute. signing. Well, I'm picking our head of the table, our tribal chief, our universal champion, Mr. Roman Reigns. Oh, hell. All right. Tiebreaker time. Let's see. It's one, two. How many matches will end one. with a clean finish? This means oh, a clean. no. I thought you meant a dirty finish. <laughs> no, this means no distractions. No disqualifications, just a clean, uninterrupted match between the participants with an undisputed winner. Um, I only got two. Oh, you got two. Um, yeah. I almost said one. You know what? 
I'm going to say one. Where match that is, I don't know, but I'm going to Yeah, one. I was going to say, I can't tell you which ones, but I feel like it's only going to be two. Seth and Shinsuke, probably. And it's not going to be, though. I, I was going to say Shane and Brian, I, but like, it's Shane McMahon. I think it's going to be not the tag, women's tag. They are Reginald. Well, shit. Well, two somewhere, <laughs> somebody will. Randy, Randy, Alexa, they, they, they screams. Somebody's getting involved. Shane, 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 Shane McMahon, yeah, of course. I would bump that. I'm saying zero. I got <laughs> nothing because even the special enforcer Jay is gonna come out at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just think this is Biggie and Apollo. This can you say no DQ? Good, good. Yeah, well, I, I might. Just, I, I'm gonna stick with one. I'm going to stick with once. I got nothing. Um, I mean, Simon, on Monday, you got a lot of things to talk about oh, with those distractions and finishes. No, I, I keep <laughs> looking at the card. I got nothing. Yeah, this I got literally, nothing. Like, this pay-per-view screams, look, some, everybody's going to have something. Yeah. Everybody's going to have something. Don't know what, what it's going to be. Because Roman, Roman Darmar with Edge, he's like, you know he's going to get involved eventually. And so is Jay. because Edge has been disrespected by Daniel Bryan, too. So I don't think he's going to So he was on nobody's that. side. Yeah. Biggie and Apollo, like, that's a... Th- see, this is how you book a mid-card title feud, Raw. Um, Raw doesn't... Really doesn't know what to do with its main title, either. Right. So... Let's see, women's tag team titles, that literally like, hey, either Sasha's going to turn Bianca or Reggie's going to get involved with both. No host Bard. Mm. Uh, Bobby, he could get involved, but at the same time, they could just fight each other to like the death. And like, since technically, it's, technically it's a no DQ match, so like, technically still clean. So, but, this, but by clean, I just mean nobody interrupting. Randy and Alexa, we, we all know that Shane and Brian is Shane, man. He's going to do something. Yeah, probably I get dis- probably get disqualified. Seth and Shinsuke, that that that's the only match I see that could possibly have a clean finish. Then Cesaro coming out after the match, possibly. That's literally the only match I got. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's not easy. Like I said, I will be sub. I-, I said two, but that was being optimistic. I really be shocked if it's one. But that's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out TheExport.net. I repeat, TheExport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours, truly, and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Um, anything you'd like to add before we close this bad boy out? Um, good, good, good luck to Peacock and all your endeavors with the network. Um, I'll subscribe to Peacock like after like, as soon as my stuff gets canceled on the 4th. Because they sent me an email, they sent me an email saying like, "Oh, it's gonna be." At least y'all get, at least y'all give me a refund afterwards. So, thanks. Love to see it. But um, that's about it. All right, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.